0: We need to work a lot. I know that, but I think we are going towards the right direction and I'm hopeful.
1: Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled and why they're proud to be themselves. So good morning, Panit. I mean, I say good morning. It's good morning for me. It's definitely not good morning for you. How are you today?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's afternoon uh, uh, for us here in India, and I'm I'm really good. The the, the weather is uh, is is good, and, uh, and it's a good day to talk.
1: Do you know what? I love that. It's always a good day to talk. It's always a good day to talk. <laughs> so the first question, as I'm sure you know, that I like to ask every single guest is how do you refer to your disability
0: uh, i would say that it's uh, it's not uh, uh diagnosed but uh, i have i have done my uh, self uh, diagnosis
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: only uh last year yeah uh, so uh, with all the symptoms and with all the study and and reading i i came to know i was reading about uh, dyspraxia and and then I said, "Yes, it's me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's me. It's like it's just me." And uh, before that, like I'm 26 years old, so first 25 years of my life, I I knew that uh, something is it is different, uh, something that I know that 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 makes me stand out. But I was not aware of uh, yeah. the thing. You know, it's it's always it's always difficult and challenging to to see yourself that you don't belong, you don't you don't you are like you're you're not behaving in a certain way and you have to like uh you, you are always trying to fit in, you're always trying to keep on a mask. So when I understand, when I, I, I recognized when I when I try I self-identified myself as a person with dyspraxia, I think that that week was very, very difficult because I realized that all my life I was just masking. I was just trying to fit in and that's that was a Great self-realization and and I was sleeping for sixteen hours straight because I was so much of no that anxiety was getting out. Yeah, that, that thing that no, I'm exhausted. I realized that all of um, uh, my life I was just trying and trying and trying, and that was really a good thing. But 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 that week was very difficult for me.
1: Yeah, I can imagine because at some level, you're grieving for what you could have had had you had a diagnosis sooner so that idea of sleeping for so long is it's almost just like all the anxiety all the stress that you've had that's been built up for years and years and years it's almost releasing and that's how it released for you it was just that you you slept and like it was a release and it was a relief as well I bet
0: yes I I, I agree and and uh, that makes me like uh, so much of relief is, is is there. So much of tension was getting out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now I don't try it. Now I don't try it. You know, you know, always, uh, because certain times I just don't want to go out of my house and always like now I'm much more unapologetic about, about, about what I feel, what I need, what I want. Yeah. So I think that's really like have changed my outlook towards my life.
1: And I love that, that you've become more unapologetic. Because I think, and I'm speaking very much generally, but on the whole, disabled people can become quite apologetic when we don't fit in to what average Joe blogs or society wants us to do, when actually the world was not built for us, and that and that's a fact. there's there's no disputing that. So when we try and fit in or we try and keep up, because of how society perceives disability and how it's always been portrayed, is that we do apologize because we think that we're in the wrong. When actually there's nothing wrong with looking after yourself and putting yourself first, because what's the point if you can't put yourself first in these situations, then it's not necessarily going to be like the nicest day out or the nicest time with your friends. Like if you need to sit and chill or you're overstimulated and you don't want to see anyone, that's absolutely fine. We all have things that we need to take a step back from.
0: Absolutely, and and you will not uh, believe me. Only one hour ago, I, I tweeted that world is not built for us, <laughs> and you exactly said that. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's uh, that's nice, and and also like uh, that guilt, uh, that 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 build up, you know, that that piled up, and and you know that that when we talk about uh, years of 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 uh, emotions, that is like collected it in our subconscious mind and then when it like when it exploded, it exploded really hard so I think it's, it's it's really important to find a find something to express ourselves yeah also like because there is no way to like like express we always have to like uh trying and trying and that's and that's that's training that's that's like you know sucking our energy out and that's like that's not I will say uh we should live our life and, and, and that's a big thing that's a, like i i took 25 years and and i would say that there was no support and there is no uh resource for me to actually get in but i'm happy that you know i get to know uh, people around uh disability and and, and and neurodiversity movement in in like around around the world especially in uk so i think that's that's, that's a great uh I would say a turning point of my life.
2: Yeah. And it's
1: it's really interesting because I would, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go on to what your childhood was like, because as you said, you were undiagnosed and therefore you've had years of anxiety and feeling different, as you've already said. And I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more what that was like for you, because I find it very interesting that when we're children sometimes everything that we say gets put on the back burner because we are children and it's almost like you're a child. So therefore you don't have the knowledge when actually sometimes children do need to be listened to. And I was wondering what was your childhood like for you being undiagnosed?
0: I think I was comparing myself uh, with, with with my friends, with my my cousins, you know, how, uh, how uh, they were riding uh, bicycles, how they, choose to learn new skills so fast and i was so slow i was I was so clumsy and, and and when you know that your your people around you are laughing on you because of the way you do things and that's and that's really uh, made me a very introverted person that mm-hmm. that makes me you know i used to um, i just like after in my teenage i i spent all all my teenage very uh uh like very Alienated from uh, from from the friends, I was uh, was very like disassociated and detached uh, from uh, the society, and also like one part of me was that that I was always raising voice for others, but I was really not prepared to self advocate for myself. Like, whenever there was something wrong happening around uh, around uh, my my gay my gay friends, anything wrong that has been done to the environment, maybe when the government authorities was were cutting trees to construct roads. I was always there like protesting <laughs> and writing applications, all of the, all of these things, but I never raised voice for myself. Yeah. I was so like I was used to feel guilty that if I do something for myself, maybe I'm selfish or maybe I'm like I'm I'm too self-centered and all of the all of these things. And only now I, I self-advocate and still I receive messages that you know that your posts are all, all about you. So like uh, I'm not liking your post because it's your, it's your post is all about you. I said it's your choice to like it or like it or not, but but when I'm saying uh, that this is happening to me, this has happened to me, it's not only me. When I'm self-advocating, I'm advocating on behalf of at least a billion people who are like who who, who are suffering somewhere. Yeah, and i just want to like maybe like i've always received messages that you know that your your post has helped me around this so then so these days like it's 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 a, it's a balancing act i always like uh, ignore these uh negative uh comments and all of these things and I, I always live and look forward to the to the positive that i can create in the society so i think this is like has really helping me out and i, I was always a I would say I was always an activist by heart, but now has become like um, more unapologetic about my advocacy.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that that's so interesting what you said about not wanting to advocate for yourself because you were worried that you were going to become, or it would be perceived as being too self-centered because I think, I think a lot of people feel that way. I don't think that's an uncommon feeling, particularly among disabled people because so much of our life is about what we can and what we have to adapt. And I was going to say can and can't do, but I don't like that phrase because I think putting limitations on what you can and and what you have to change in order to be able to achieve it means that actually rather than you saying you can't do something, you're aware that you have to adapt. And I think accepting adaption and accepting that things don't look the same is is a really, really crucial point of anybody's disability journey. And I was wondering for you, obviously you're in India and India is very different to the UK in how it views disability. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think it's a very interesting juxtaposition to where we're at now.
0: Uh, I always look uh, up to uh, the organisations, the, the activists, uh, the advocates in UK, they I think um, they are bringing that uh, neurodiversity movement and disability movement and the LGBTQ movement and and the movement for democracy. I think that's that's is is spearheading uh, 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 from the UK and I, and and I and I'm like I take that inspiration. I I copy that. and I, I bring it to I bring it to India because uh, the more that you know, I I just love this country. I I I have so much of love and and admiration for this country but i think we are far behind in 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 this thing because it was like it's still like it's lacking you know it's still that we have internalized um uh, ableism uh, in within the disability community and i don't I, I seriously don't want to uh criticize i'm very uh like i am very empathetic about whatever is happening in the society because it's it's years of suppression. It's years of discrimination and bias, and we have a lot to learn about this. And and you know we have to learn from our mistakes. I think uh, uh, when we when we compare uh, UK and India, we have an interconnected history, and UK has learned uh, from 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 history uh, from it, from its mistake of, of, of colonial history and all of these things. So why shouldn't we? Like it's all about. Admitting to the mistakes, accepting that, and and moving on, and improving, uh, because there's always a uh, scope for uh, improvement. So I think new generation has been really, uh, uh, I would say, they are challenging the status quo. Yeah, and uh, they are trying to create a mix of what uh, ancient India stands for and what uh, what what modern uh, thoughts we should have. So we are trying to. This generation is trying to get. uh, best of both the worlds yeah. and uh, a lot of organizations, a lot of uh, activists are there and bringing in fresh and new ideas yeah. using technology. The idea is going is, like, is great and bringing in assistive technology and all of these things for uh, better accessibility. So I think uh, future is bright. Uh, we need to work a lot. I, I, I know that, but I think we are going towards the right that direction. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think what you said is really interesting is that everybody, and that includes the UK, that includes India, that includes the rest of the world. Everybody needs to learn from their mistakes because globally, so long people with disabilities really were put on the back burner and they weren't listened to and they weren't, you know, they weren't given a voice and they weren't talked about, but then there's been the thing, you know, social media, and yeah. it's almost like we've had our own, like renaissance. <laughs>
2: yes, I, I I
0: absolutely agree. I think uh, uh, internet and like social media has uh, changed my life. Otherwise, you know, there were, there were no resources to to look up to, and and I would have uh, kept believing that you know that something like if if everyone is saying the same thing, I would believe that. Right, yeah. so uh, that that change of narrative, that change of discourse, uh, to bring in that conversation around being critical about what's being said about uh, the you know that medical model of disability, how it's we are we are well looked as an burden, not an asset to the society, yeah. and now we are trying to bring that social model that we can be an asset if if we are given the the opportunity to put forward our perspective. I think we can do a lot and that's that's a revolution that's a that's that's a uh, whole mindset shift i'm trying to bring in through my organizations what what's my by my work in the society yeah.
1: and i can't wait to talk about this actually because i always like to talk about people's careers and the career path that they've chosen because contrary to popular belief not every single disabled person wants to talk about disability all day every day but some of us like myself and like you love to talk about it all the time. <laughs> and I was wondering what was your career path leaving school like, and, and how has it evolved t- to now? Because I think you're doing some really interesting and some really cool things. And I kind of want you to wax lyrical about what you do.
0: Yeah. So I, uh, like I did my, um, Graduation in, in English literature and uh, from the Delhi University and that, that would like uh, give me that platform. Uh, people from all over India were there. So I get to know different culture, different languages, different uh, way to look at life and that and that was really uh, helpful out in, in, in of now I realized that uh, that exposure to, to different stories around the world, yeah. Um we talk about English literature, we talk about literature from America, even like uh, ancient Indian uh, texts were translated to English. So mm-hmm. I was reading that. So I think there, there were a lot of different uh, things that I was reading and interacting with people, and yeah, that was uh really really, really fun. And then I and then I got a job in a bank. <laughs> so <laughs> I was <laughs> I was like I was like, "What? What I am doing? Like after one year, year of uh, working there, I was saying that what I am doing, and also like um, during a meeting, uh, I proposed that I would like to host uh, this team meeting." Yeah. So my manager said that um, that it, it's like you stammer, so you know you you will take. It's just a ten minute uh, team huddle, so we don't have much time, and that was a big uh, blow yeah but uh, to my confidence, and I said, don't oh, know enough is enough, and I'm going to do something about it, so I raised my voice there and i i i decided that I don't know i'm going to change this uh this thing you know that two or three minutes or like few minutes of 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 listening of patience will not will not you know bring destruction to the world <laughs> so so yeah so that that's was that was a big you know a thing otherwise otherwise i was able to uh, hide my hide my stammer most of the time but sometimes it was out and uh, that was uh that was like seriously like a lot of youngsters came to me and they and they wanted kind of a magic pill they want therapy they want something to just just get rid of their stammer and and that was like it like i said that we can stammer but at the same time we can stammer and we can be good in communication. We can be good, like people say. Oh, you, you, you are a good communicator despite your stammering. So I hate that word. Despite I'm, I'm a good communicator and I stammer. <laughs> That's it. So that that is the work we are doing towards by our organization is changing the perspective that maybe some kind of differences is not not what makes us uh, in deficit. It's not it's not a lacking of something. Yeah. It's just a difference, it's just a diversity. We are adding the diversity and and that should be welcomed and embraced and celebrated.
1: I think it's absolutely heartbreaking what you said about people wanting a magic pill to to take away a stammer or or, or to like rectify what they perceive as being wrong. And I think that's so much to do with how society has portrayed disability over the years because what you said about the word despite is so true. It is such, it can be such a nasty word, particularly yeah. when you're thinking about what you said, you know, you're a great communicator despite your stammer, but that that's no, that's not right. You're a good communicator and you have a stammer. There's no despite about it. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that your organization is giving voice and that wasn't meant to be like a pun, but giving voice to people who actually deserve to have it, because I think a lot of people would be too afraid to speak or almost afraid to be like, actually, I do have a summer and I'm a good communicator because the two for so long did not go hand in hand. And, and you're right, it is a difference. It's a diversity thing. And it's also about adaption, which is what everything comes down to being a disabled person. Your whole life is about adaptation. So you either get on board with the adaption train or it's leaving without you. There's no two ways about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> For you, is there a piece of advice that you would like to give someone with the same disability as you or, and kind of both, maybe a younger version of you?
2: I think, uh, I would again emphasize on, on,
0: uh, just, you know, try to just, just try to be comfortable with, uh, with, with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's, that's really, really important because
2: I think that would be really, really
0: difficult. And like easier said than done. But uh, mm-hmm. when, uh, when we love ourselves, when we we care about about ourselves, I think that that becomes much more easier. And and uh, maybe, maybe try to find your, your 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 people. Maybe try to find it into a into a group where you talk about your challenges. And and it's really important to find a place where you feel safe and secure. Only then. Uh, we can uh, have fun and enjoyment. So I think uh, at times uh, before, you know, we go out in the world and we do we do explore, we do adventure, all of these things. But at some point of time, we need that that comfort zone. So don't don't you know, always believe in that in that narrative that growth happens outside of your comfort zone. No, at times you have to go back. Uh, uh, to your cushion to your to, to your bedroom to your dark bedroom and just sleep and just uh, having fun with, with with your friends so i think there's nothing wrong in asking for uh, safety asking for uh security and that takes a lot of trust uh building a lot of relationship building and and just try to find your your kind of people that you, that you can trust and that you can share your are just out with yeah
1: I love that because it's so against the grain of what we're constantly told. We're constantly told that growth happens outside your comfort zone. And, and actually, you are right. Sometimes you do need to almost retreat back to your safety zone because you, you need that comfort and, you, and you, need, you need that safety. And there's a lot to be said for disability and safety because I think nine times out of ten, not all disabled people feel 100% safe and i think being able to have that community of people where you do feel safe or having that particular place or people or or whatever it is where you do feel safe is is vital really it's it's a really important part of of growing as well because when you feel safe you can grow too it's not all it's not always about like running into the lion's den as it were
0: absolutely yes 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 <laughs>
1: I'm really interested though, what was it that made you start looking for di- for diagnosis, particularly around dyspraxia because that's quite it's quite an interesting diagnosis to receive or or self diagnosis to give What made you have a look at that type of diagnosis
0: thanks for asking that I think that's that's I would like to share that, and, and 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 I miss that. So thanks for asking that. That's really important because you know, uh, last year I I went to a uh, to a professional. Uh, he is experienced, and I think he's one of the best in in in, in Delhi. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, like when I was talking about my work or uh, well, all of these things, he said that you you're doing so great in your life. Like why do you do you want to get diagnosis? Yeah. So I think that was really uh, dismissive. Like I, I would say that you know, yes, I'm doing great in life. I will do more great things in life, but I deserve to get my diagnosis, right? I, I have the right to know myself in a better way. Yeah. it right? is nothing like like diagnosis is not like I'm. I'm saying that I'm less than anything, but I just wanted to know what uh, my condition is called, and that's a very objective thing. It's nothing uh, underlying uh, to it. There's nothing negative about diagnosis, and that that breaks my heart. Like when people are so patronizing and dismissive about mm-hmm. about just getting a diagnosis, and that comes from a professional uh, person. So I think that's uh, that's really we need to think about. And that and there and then I decided I don't read that. I was reading a lot, and and I was talking to people. So I did. I, I said that, that. you know that. It was expensive a lot. So I took a decision and then I went to, but I, then I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do diagnosis as of now, not a formal, what we called. But but I will do it myself. And I, I self identify as, as a person with dyspraxia with all the symptoms and all, all what I know. So I'm pretty confident with that.
1: It is genuinely heartbreaking for you that you went to a professional. And you went to someone who, you know, is, you know, when you think about medical professionals, we're meant to trust them implicitly because that's their job. They're meant to know what the human anatomy is like. And they're meant, well, you know, they're meant to know about the mind. And the, you just can't, you just, it's implicit that you trust them. And I think to be dismissed and medical gaslighting is such an issue in the world, but particularly for the disabled community, because nine times out of 10, our voices are dismissed. But to have that, to be told that just because you're doing well, as like, you know, as society perceives you, why would you want a diagnosis is absolutely, it's soul destroying because like you said, it's not about, you know, having a diagnosis that you can fall back on it. It's actually more so that you can know about yourself And also how you work and and you know things that might really help you and you know tips and tricks and and maybe this would work for me and maybe that will make me feel a certain way and to have that dismissed and taken away from you is just is it actually really makes my heart hurt like I'm sat here hearing this and I'm I'm devastated for you that you had to have that experience because I don't think anybody should have to go through that
0: and also like uh Talking about and just uh, expanding on that, I think uh, a lot of my disagreement uh, goes with the use of words like differently abled uh, and, and, you know, divinely abled and special needs. All of this euphemism that we are using, I'm extremely critical of, of, of such uses of, you know, that that it's just that it's it's disability and disability is not a bad word like it's it's, it's completely it's fine. It's 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 objective. It's it's, it's nothing to You know that, uh, that that we need to change about and that comes from uh the people who are not disabled. <laughs> that, and that that yeah. that makes it even more uh, worse because some people prefer to do to do that and and, and I have no problem like it's uh, is their right to self-identify and it's their right to to, to To say that you know that that, that uh, we talk about uh, identity first or people first uh, uh, language yeah. like disabled people or, or a person with disability right so I think that's that's our choice that should be our choice not it's not should someone's uh, uh, other should be deciding that you know that you should be called this or your needs are special needs no our our needs are not special these needs are human needs yeah. these are basic human rights read and read. United Nations uh, um, uh, Human Rights Charter. It's 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 all there. It's nothing. It's nothing special about it.
1: I honestly could not love more what you just said about how it's not special needs. These are our needs, and there's there's nothing special about them. It's just because we look a bit different. And I couldn't. I honestly couldn't love that more because I'm like you. I think the phrase is differently abled and special needs, and you know not disabled. I really struggle with that. And because I'm such a gobby person, I can get into trouble with how I word things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think you've encapsulated exactly how I feel in a very eloquent way that sometimes I am not able to do because I get a bit too annoyed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I believe that every disabled person has a positive attribute, regardless of what their disability is. There's something that they inherently have that is positive. And I was wondering, particularly through hardship or any hard time, those those attributes tend to come out. And I was wondering if you were able to recognize a positive attribute within yourself?
0: I think that would be my uh, consistency. I think I'm very uh consistent in 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 whatever I. I do. Yes, I have my uh, off days. I have my um, certain like there can be weeks on um, which like I'm not not uh, in in that want to to work or to do something. But but most of the time, I would say that I believe in uh, keep walking and just you will reach somewhere. It's <laughs> yes. not uh, the place that you have wished for, but you will reach somewhere for sure.
1: Yeah, and I like that. Like consistency is so underrated; it really is. And sometimes it's yeah. not always easy to be super consistent, particularly around disability, because you know you can get unwell or things can crop up. But actually, being consistent is so key.
0: Yeah, I think I think we uh, overestimate uh, the 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 effect of intensity and we under, underestimate consistency we try to not get in that energy and passion and all of these things and that's required that's of course that's required but I think we are uh, uh glorifying intensity a lot I think that's uh, which we can be like uh, uh, calm and composed and you know uh, just doing our work in a very professional way because you know I we do work in, in, in advocacy, right? And there are a lot of uh, times I receive messages, I receive uh, calls from people, and, and they tell their, their their tragic stories. I feel so sorry about, and you know, I cannot do anything. And that's and that that makes me like uh, a lot of that gives me stress. Uh, but I'm trying to to bring in a lot of uh, uh, professionalism and objectivism in my in, in my work uh, to be a little bit. Uh, emotionally detached, not to get uh, things. But but of course I'm doing my work. Of course I'm doing these things with a lot of conviction. But I'm trying to be a little uh, detached so that I, I I take care of my mental health as well. So I think that that would be another one to be consistent and uh, try to be a little bit, um, I would say, uh, dissociated with uh, with emotions a bit. I would not say it's possible. It's not humanly possible to meet a test, but at least uh, take care of your your uh, uh, mental health is really important in long term for sure. Yeah,
1: I think the idea that we can give one hundred and ten percent to every single person that we come across is such a disgusting idea because you're right. Mental health does come first and you can get too emotionally involved in someone else's story, particularly when you're fighting for something that you see as an injustice. And Mm. I don't know anybody who hasn't got too involved. And and by that, I mean that you really, you know, you care about that person and that situation. and, And that's human nature, right? When you're a caring person and you want to fight and you want to help, that's naturally how you do it. But you're right. There needs to be some level of, of removal because you can't be completely involved in everybody's story that you're fighting for. It, it's it's it leads to burnout and it's physically impossible and and also like emotionally, it hurts. It doesn't mean that you don't care. It just means that you're protecting yourself a bit and and you're bang on. Mental health is absolutely key and and to be in this world that isn't built for us. And I'm talking about disabled people as a whole. And then also fighting and then also caring so much more about, you know, someone else or someone else's problems. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for you to not be in a good place and not be able to fight a hundred percent. So if you do have to detach yourself and remain a little bit removed, that's probably the best way forward.
0: Awesome. You have said it so beautifully. Yeah, I agree with it. (laughs)
1: I love how it's like half eight in the morning, and I've said something really eloquent. Like that is my day done. <laughs> like,
0: okay, i, uh, no. I have to go back to sleep now. <laughs> oh,
1: I mm, mm, yeah, I've got a couple of hours until that. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, I, I I have done my my work for the day. I've said this thing so beautifully. Now I'm
1: done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I've done my job. Well done, me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like to ask everybody about weird questions that they receive from people. And that could be, usually I wouldn't say family and friends because I say family and friends are pretty good at not asking bizarre questions, but it tends to be the general public that will ask you a question about your disability where you're either taken aback, you laugh or you think, Oh no, not this again. So what are some bizarre questions that you've had surrounding your disability?
0: I think, Oh, when people say that, uh, that, do you have a, do, do you have a disability? <laughs> so like, just like people looking at my work, they say, I'm just doing it for the sake of it, but I'm not a disabled person. Wow. So I think that was really, that's what really like. So they, they disassociate, uh, confidence and, and, and success with disability like I that I'm successful maybe I'm doing good in life that, and that must be I'm not not a person with disability but that that's really that's it really, that's it really like I would say that no like we can be successful we can be uh confident we can do great things in life with our disability and that's that's nothing to be uh, wrong about and the second thing that I really uh hate is that uh people give marks people give grades to your stammering you know that yeah. that you don't stammer much you don't so i will not say that that you should we should give that quantity to, to stammering right you that you know i used to stammer so badly or like so uh, like giving like a 10 out of 9 to my stammering or like oh you don't stammer like it's it's, it's just like and some people always behave in such a dismissive way that uh but when I want to now, I'm stammering. So I think that thing is something different because maybe I'm not stammer, but I'm a person with stammering. I'm 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 a stammerer. Yeah. And that and that would not take me away from anything. Anything. I don't need to prove by my blocks and by you know by 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 like by doing anything. Right. I, I don't need to prove anything. But I think that's that's. That goes without saying that if someone is saying that I have something, mm-hmm. we should and must uh, trust in that person and not say that you're just trying to uh, say that to get some benefit. No yeah. one will do that. No one will do that, and that's that's bad. That's that's seriously. That's that's really dismissive.
1: Yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree because I think. A lot of people, and I'm talking outside of the disabled community when I say this, is that the idea that you would, you know, dis- like, it, for example, it's a lot about, in my head, blue badges in the UK. So in the UK, you're given a blue badge, which means that you can park in a disabled bay. Mm-hmm. And so many people who need these blue badges don't necessarily look Immediately disabled when you when you know when you see them in the street, you wouldn't think, "Oh, they have a blue badge. It, it, you you just wouldn't. And the amount of people who would then go up to them and be like, "You're in a like you're in a disabled bay, like you shouldn't be parking here." And then it's the idea that actually you shouldn't have to give away any knowledge of what your disability is to anyone unless you want to share that information. But the idea that people don't believe you when you need certain things is absolutely disgusting because you know yourself best. So why should you have to prove it to anybody else? And also what you said about, I think
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: What you said about, you know, um, nobody would put themselves in that situation. I also wholeheartedly agree because you wouldn't put yourself in a situation where, or at least I wouldn't, I have enough integrity to say that I wouldn't do that, where you're not giving yourself the space that you need and Mm. you're not you know, you're, you are make it you know, want, want for a better word, but you're not making this disability up. Like this is the reality of your life because sometimes being disabled is hard. It's not a walk in the park as much as I love to have these conversations and, and we're having quite a bright and breezy conversation. Sometimes being disabled is really effing hard. Sometimes it sucks. And I don't know anybody who would put themselves in that situation optionally because, Yes, some great things can come from disability, but also some really difficult things can come from disability too and the idea that you would optionally put yourself in that situation just and people would think that just blows my mind
0: yeah yeah, because you know most of the uh disabilities are not are not visible and that's and that's and that's it like it's 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 uh so you know in terms of uh, what I feel that uh when we talk about accessibility, we have this um, uh, signage of of a ramp or, or or a wheelchair on the mm-hmm. places, right? Because that's that we can see that, that that has become a symbol, right?
2: Yeah. And,
0: and symbols should be uh, very descriptive and self-explanatory, right? But mm-hmm. most of the of the disabilities are not visible, are not apparent, and it takes time to realize that, and that's and that shows lack like, of our our understanding like a lot of uh, studies and a lot of research are still going on and that's and 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 we need to like be updated with that as as well as a yeah. as, as someone like without a disability as well i think uh it goes same with uh when we talk about uh, black history when we talk about uh, lgbtqi community it's, it's it's all uh coming out in a, in a very beautiful way and we should know we should be aware of all uh such uh things what we call microaggression or, or or what we call uh you know just uh gaslighting in a way that we cannot say certain things but it's there right it's, we can feel that heat and air. Yeah, so i think uh, that's really really important that uh politeness and being nice is 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 not equivalent to being non ableist or on, or non racist or non homophobic it's you can be nice and polite but still you can be homophobic or you can be an ableist
1: yeah that's so it's so true it doesn't always go hand in hand yes i have got one final question for you and it's my favorite question of the entire podcast and everybody knows what it's going to be and that is pani are you disabled and proud
0: Absolutely, yes. I cannot be more proud of, uh, prouder than that and and that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable and I like that. I, I, I love that.
1: <laughs> I love that you said that that can make people really uncomfortable because I think that is absolutely correct. The idea that you can be disabled and proud of your disability or the idea that you have some real pride in being disabled it can be so uncomfortable and so jarring for people because for so long disability was put on the back burner because disability can be viewed as this other thing or something that's not widely accepted. And the fact that, you know, I, I'm also like you, I revel in making people somewhat discomfortable sometimes because, you know, I like to challenge the status mm-hmm. quo. I think it's absolutely wonderful that that's something mm-hmm. that you love as well.
0: Awesome. Yes. Yes. Uh, 110% yes, and disabled <laughs> and proud and and it's a very refreshing and radical idea. I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I've really loved this conversation and there's been some real nuggets here that have given me a lot of food for thought and I just can't thank you enough for being on the podcast.
0: Thanks to you, Brooke. Uh, it was a really good conversation. It really uh, made me think It really um, made me reflect back on certain things, which I really like uh, appreciate. And thanks for having me again, have a really good day.
1: And you, oh, it's been so great thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love
2: to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast